want to welcome you again uh, to our Easter celebration. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus today. Um, do you like Easter? Yeah, I like Easter too. What, what's, what's the best part of Easter? Some, some, some people might say the resurrection. I, for one, like brunch. Brunch is really good, isn't it? Um, one of my best memories about Easter was when I was a little kid. We used to go over to my, my grandma and grandpa's house, and uh, we would have Easter brunch. And what I remember about that was, so when, when I was younger, we didn't have soda at our house very much. But at grandma's house, soda came out of the faucet. I mean, it was, there was soda everywhere. And so and, and only at, at grandma and grandpa's house could we have as much soda as we wanted. So I remember loving this that I would eat so much ham, and ham is my, my Easter food. I would eat so much ham and potatoes and drink so much soda that I had this bulge in my stomach. And I would lay on my grandpa's couch and watch tennis because his TV only picked up tennis, I think. And so I would lay there and just feel so full that it hurt. And I loved it. It's my favorite Easter memory. And I, I was telling that to a friend of mine yesterday. And I said, that's my best Easter memory from my childhood. And he goes, you didn't have a very happy childhood, did you? <laughs> anyway, I want to thank you for being here. I want to just welcome you and thank you for making a choice today. You made a choice to be here at church. You could be a lot of places. You could even be on a couch with a bulging stomach full of soda and ham right now, which is maybe where I'd like to be. But you are here and I want to thank you. And in fact, I don't think that it's a coincidence that you're here. I don't believe in coincidences, but I do believe in something called divine appointments. And divine appointments, they, it's like a coincidence. And it's kind of like this. Sometimes I've been to church before on a Sunday where I didn't want to go. Everything was telling me, I don't want to be here. My kids were giving me more trouble than they normally give me to try to get out of the house. And yet I went to church, and, and guess what? The sermon was exactly what I needed to hear. And that's what I call a divine appointment. And I believe that you are here this morning not just because you chose to be here and not just because Grandma dragged you here, not just because somebody else chose for you to be here, but because God has a purpose for your life. Because God has a purpose for your life. And God wants you to know that you are a loved child of God. And I want to say this because oftentimes at Easter we get people who come to church who don't normally come to church. And there's a lot of reasons people don't go to church. Some people feel like church is irrelevant. Some people feel like uh, Christians are hypocritical. Uh, some people just don't connect with it for some reason. But a lot of people, I, I also am very aware of there are people in this place today who don't come to church because someone has used this as a weapon against them that they've been hurt by the church. And I, I want you to know that we're, we're very aware of that. I'm very aware of that. And I want you to know that despite it all, I, I, I'm sure that sometimes I've hurt people and, and that even, even through me, people feel like, well, that, that church is, is just doesn't care about people. I want you to know that, that beyond what, what, what the church does, that Jesus loves you, that you are a loved child of God and that Jesus accepts you no matter what. Now, I want you to leave here today understanding one thing and leaving with one thing, and it's this word hope. I want everybody to say that word with me, hope. I want you to leave here with hope. Now, hope is an interesting word. 
Um, in our everyday lives, the word hope does not inspire a whole lot of confidence. If I asked one of my sons, how did you do on that math test? And they said, I hope I did good. That doesn't inspire confidence. And so I, I am right now, we're, we're heading towards wedding season, and I have quite a few couples that I'm going through premarital counseling with. And one of the things I'll ask them is, are you ready right now in, in your life, the two of you ready to forsake all others and, and to, to commit yourselves to each other? If they said, we hope so, I, then I'd probably say, I don't know if you're quite ready, right? Hope in our everyday life is not one of those great words of confidence. But listen, the hope that the resurrection of Jesus gives us is something altogether different. The hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ tells me that when I die, and okay, I'm going to be a total downer right now, guys. I am dying. I am dying. I know this is a total downer. I have a terminal condition called mortality. It's called being a human being, and it, it is fatal in 100% of cases. You might know somebody else with this condition. I am dying, but even though I'm dying, the hope of the resurrection tells me that I have hope for new life beyond this life, that I will live with God forever in eternity, and not only that, but that I can experience resurrection life today. The resurrection of Jesus tells me that if I am struggling in an addiction, that the same power that broke the power of death can be in me and can defeat any addiction I have. The same power that rolled away the stone can roll away any shame that I have. If I'm in this place because, and I have shame for the things that I've done in my life, the same power that rolled away the stone can roll away my past decisions. That is the power. And the same power that was in Jesus that said, you know, I don't want to live for me, but I want to live so that others can live. I will die so that others can live. That was the love that was in Jesus Christ. We can live with that same love on the inside of us for the people around us. We can love better because of Jesus' resurrection. We can live better because of Jesus' resurrection. That power can be ours. The hope of Jesus is different. The hope of the resurrection is different. And I want to start out by reading about the resurrection from the Gospel of Luke, and this is from the 24th chapter. It says this, very early in the morning. Now, first I should set this up. This is after Jesus has died, okay? He, was, he died and was buried, much to the heartbreak of everyone who followed him, thinking that he was going to be the Messiah. They thought he was going to overthrow the Roman occupation at the time. People had been following him, thinking he was their savior, but instead, he's crucified, he's buried, and dead. In their minds, that's the end. The past three years that they had followed Jesus, it's over. The revolution has stopped. Very early in the morning, on the very first day of the week, the women went to the tomb, bringing fragrant spices that they prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming, bright clothing. The women were frightened and bowed their faces toward the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, 
but has been raised. Remember what he told you while you were still in Galilee, that the human one must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words when they returned from the tomb. They reported all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Their words struck the apostles as nonsense, and they didn't believe the women. Isn't that just like men? To not believe the women. But it's not just the men. It's a very human thing. This is a a far-fetched story, isn't it? It's a very far-fetched story. In fact, it's hard to believe in the resurrection. It was then, and for many of us, it still is today. And if, and if you find you struggle with this, this unbelief in the idea of someone physically rising from the dead, you are not alone. I want to introduce you to somebody who followed Jesus, who walked with Jesus, who knew Jesus, who had the same struggle. His name was Thomas. He had another nickname that we'll talk about in a minute, but we're going to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 20, starting in verse 24. Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. So this is after Jesus has risen from the dead. Before we, in Luke, we saw that the disciples hadn't seen him. This is after most of the disciples have actually seen him, but Thomas has not. And so this is what Thomas's reply when everybody says, we've seen it, it's true, Jesus is alive, he says this, But he replied, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger in the wounds left by the nails, and put my hands into his side, I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. He said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, calling him out here, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hands into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Jesus replied, do you believe because you see me? Happy are those who don't believe, who don't see and yet believe. Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. I think Thomas gets a bit of a raw deal, don't you? You know what people call him? Doubting Thomas. How would you like it if for the rest of your life, your most embarrassing moment was in your name? The history books take your worst, most embarrassing, cringeworthy moment, and that's who you are for the rest of human history. I think he gets a raw deal because I think that a lot of us have felt that same doubt, have felt that same sense of It's so hard to believe this. If I can't see it, I can't believe it. If I can't see it with my own eyes, I can't see it. Because we tend to think that we can only trust what we see. Here's a question I have, though. What if your eyes cannot be trusted? What if your perceptions cannot be trusted? I want to show this this quick video Hopefully this works for everybody here. Some people have told me it works for them. But I want you to look at the screen, and I want you, there's going to be a black dot in the center of the screen, okay? And you're going to stare just at this black dot, okay? Stare just at the black dot, 
Now, don't worry, a clown isn't going to pop out and scare you, okay? Just stare right at the black dot in the center of the screen. I'm going to do it with you. That black dot is our whole world. So just keep, keep looking. Even if it changes, just keep looking at that black dot. See all those pretty colors? See the blue and the blue sky and the clouds? Now look away and look back just at the picture. It's black and white, isn't it? Here's the thing. It was black and white the whole time. There was never any colors after it switched. The image switched, but there were no colors. Um, this is a, 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 an illusion that, that plays on your eyes. Here's the interesting thing about it. So your eyes have photoreceptors, and when you're looking at that black dot for a long period of time, your photoreceptors basically get fatigued, and then when it switches, your eyes aren't ready to see the new thing, okay? And here's what happens, and this blows my mind. Your brain lies to you. Your, your brain can't pick in the new image, so it creates colors that aren't there. You just had an April Fool's joke played on you by your brain. Okay? So it's not there, but instead of just shutting your eyes down for a second to readjust, it makes something up. And, and here's the thing. I hope what I, what I really want you to get out of that, although it's just a cool trick that I like to show because it's cool, what you see, what you perceive with your eyes cannot necessarily be trusted. So if what we see can't be trusted, maybe it's not such a crazy thing to believe in things that we cannot see. In fact, the existence of things that are beyond our sight, that are beyond our perception, is the subject being explored by many of the greatest minds right now in physics and cosmology. In fact, I, this is from NASA's website. NASA uh, uh, scientists believe that 95% of uh, our universe is made up of what's called dark energy or dark matter. Who's heard of that before? It's kind of a crazy, mind-blowing thought. But here's basically what it means. It means that we can only see 5% of what actually exists in our known universe. We can only perceive 5% of what exists. Now, here's the thing. If you can only believe in what you see, you're missing out on a lot of the universe. You're missing out on a lot of the universe. Now, how, how do scientists know this? How can they tell that there's this dark matter and dark energy that exists, even though we can't see it and we can't perceive it with any of our faculties. Well, it's because they can see it by how it affects the thing. So they can see what we can't see by how it affects what we can see. Think about it like this. If you look outside and you see uh, through your window a tree, and the tree, uh, the leaves are shaking and the tree's bent over like this, what's happening outside? It's windy. Do you see the wind? No, but you probably also know the trees don't tend to just shake their leaves and bend over because they feel like it, right? It's the same way with this dark matter, is that we can see because of the effects on something else. Now, I just want to say this. If you're in this room today and, and it's, it's tough for you to believe in the resurrection, I cannot give you any proof that will be satisfying evidence for your faculties. In fact, I can't prove to you that God exists any more than Harry Potter can pr prove that J.K. Rowling exists, okay? But I don't believe in the resurrection because I've seen it with my eyes. 
I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe in the hope of his resurrection because I've seen what it's done in my life. I believe in the resurrection not because I've seen it, but I've seen how it affects my life. And I've seen how it has affected the lives of so many people around me. Listen, I've seen people with crushing guilt, crushing shame in their own life. I've seen them set free in an instant by the resurrection of Jesus. I have seen people who have been slaves to addictions for years be set free in a moment by the resurrection hope of Jesus Christ. I've seen people, and I want you to hear this because maybe this is somebody in this room, I've seen people who have believed that they couldn't be loved. I want to be real here. People who believe that they could not be loved know a love that is greater than the love that they could find in this world when they encountered the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I don't need to see it with my eyes because I've seen it all around me. And I've felt it in my own heart. I've seen what the resurrection can do. It's beautiful and it's incredible. You know, the Bible has a word for for this resurrection power, this hope that we can feel, that you could feel even today. And this word is grace. Grace, you might have heard this word before. It's like a gift. It's something that you receive even though you don't deserve it. That is grace. There's a great Christian writer. I've, I've been reading a lot of his stuff recently. His name is Frederick Beekner, and he's, he's a poet and an author, and I love the way he puts it in such a, a poetic and beautiful way. So I'm going to read this quote from Frederick uh, Beekner. He says this, The grace of God means something like this. Here is your life. You might never have been but you are because the party wouldn't be complete without you. Here's the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen, but don't be afraid. I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you I created the universe. I love you. There's only one catch. Like any other gift, the gift of grace can be yours only if you reach out and take it. Maybe being able to reach out and take it is a gift too. Today, I would like to make an invitation to you. If you can hear my voice, I'm making an invitation. I am not going to invite you into accepting a list of doctrines or beliefs. And I will not invite you today into following a long list of do's and don'ts. I'd like to invite you today into a relationship with Jesus Christ who loved you so much that even though, even if you were the only human that ever existed, he still would have come and died on a cross for you to cover your sins. And we are all sinners. You, this might be news to you, you are a sinner. If you don't believe me, ask your spouse. Ask your parents. Ask your best friend. I think they'll back me up here. Even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says this, that the penalty of sin is death, but Christ said, no, listen, no. I will die in your place. But not only did he die, and this is the really revolutionary part, 
he not only died, he did what only Christ could do. He defeated death and he raised again on the third day. And that is resurrection hope. Did you know that your life could be different from this day forward? Did you know that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus that starts today and transforms not just your eternity, it does that, but it can change you today. It can set you free from the things that are binding you up. It can have you wake up with hope every morning. It can have you know when, when you feel rejected by the people in your life, it can have you know that you are loved beyond all of your imagination. That can be yours. I'm going to have our band come up, and I just want us to have a moment. If, if, when, just take a moment to sit and close your eyes. Now, maybe you have never considered what it would be like to give your life away to Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you to know that the gospel is just this, that even though we're sinners, even though we're deserving of death, Jesus said, no, I will not have that. I will give myself for you, not just so that you can have eternal life, but that you can have abundant life right now. You can be free from sin right now. You can know that you're loved right now so you can live and love differently right now. So I'm just going to, we're going to take a moment. And anyone who would like to but doesn't know how to can say yes to Jesus in this very moment. You don't have to say this even out loud. In your, mom, in your seat, I'm going to lead us through a prayer, a prayer of repentance and into salvation, of resurrection, hope, and life. If you've never said this, you can give your life to Jesus for the first time today. You can live a life of resurrection hope today. If you've wandered away from the hope of salvation, if you've turned your back on Jesus and you want to come back today, this could be for you too. Or if you say, I've said yes to Jesus, but I've never experienced what you're talking about, this resurrection hope and life, but I'd invite you also to pray this with me because you can experience that same power that broke the chains of sin and death in your heart, in your life. You can feel the love of Christ in your life today and be different now. If you're looking for that, then I pray that you would pray with me. Lord God, I give my life to you. I surrender all because I am a sinner and I don't want to live in darkness anymore. I want to live in your glorious light. Even if I don't understand all of the theology, I say yes to a God who loved me enough to give his whole life for me and I want to give all of myself to you. take a moment and you don't necessarily need to be able to pray great prayers 
it would be enough just to say to Jesus today, yes. So if you need to say yes to Jesus, just do that where you are right now. Just say yes. Resurrection hope is an exciting thing. I hope it's exciting to you. And I hope that there's some who could say yes today. Now, if that was your first time saying yes, come talk to me after the service. I would love to talk to you about where you can go from here. If I've said yes, how do I continue to, to meet with God, continue to experience who Jesus is? in my life. I'd love to talk to you after the service. Just come and grab me. We're going to have our band play a verse and chorus of a song we did earlier called Glorious Day. If you would, let's stand to our feet. And if you're excited about what Jesus has done for you, what he's done for all of humanity, let's sing this with great joy.